0: As far as being a cliffhanger, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point out uh, the same the same as- aspects of the sh- kind of glory that we found in the old in the Old Testament. As far as dwelling, God dwells with us, overshadowing, um, being our strength. Uh, as far as being approachable, as far as, as opposed to being unapproachable. Those are the thoughts now that I'm going to pursue in the New Testament. The glory of God and God with us. And so in Luke 9 we read, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain, a mountain to pray. I'm going to say that that is the Mount of Olives. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when glory Alright? And the two men that stood with him, and it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabernacles. And so they they decided to worship uh, the Lord uh, Moses and Elijah. And then it goes on to say, while he thus speak, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they went, as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days of which things that they had seen. And so, um, let's turn to Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14. And it states, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of these, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And what's happening now is it sounds like It sounds like that this is, uh, coming up to the second advent of Christ. And so, some say, some say that, uh, when the Lord, uh, was transfigured and then ascended from the Mount of Olives, that the Shekinah glory of God left. And then some say that, uh, when the Lord returns again, which is Zechariah 14, right here, that the Shekinah glory of God is returning. And what I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't know everything and what I'm going to put forth is the, uh, is the idea that that might be true, but also I'm going to pursue about God dwelling with us. And I'm going to say that God dwelling with us and uh, the miracles that the Holy Spirit put forth and then the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. There's no doubt about that because without God the Holy Spirit we would not understand our calling whatsoever. And so I'm saying that what about that power? Is that not associated with the Shekinah glory at all? What about it? What about, what about the power of God that's in us that was not here before the Son of God. Okay, that's that's what I'm I'm putting forth, and then I'm going to study about that glory in the New Testament. And so in Zechariah verse two it says, "I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall I can't see the rest of it. Uh, half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be cut off from." I can't read that either. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Uh, I'll just go on. Um, and sh- uh, shall stand in the day upon the Mount of Olives, which before Is Israel is on, oh, which before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in half Thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a great valley and half of the mountain shall remove to the north and half of it to the south. And so we find, uh, we, ha- we find an importance in that the Shekinah glory left the earth, uh, from the temple of Solomon and it left on the mount of olives and now the Lord is returning for the second time a second advent of the Mount of olives, and it cleaves in half. And so, that you know, that's just a truth that I wanted uh, to put forth out there. Okay, and then we can have uh, uh, the next uh, statement. Uh, the next scriptures that we're going to be reading is about the Lord. Okay, and so I do not have all the answers to all of this. All of this. Uh, that I'm putting forth is consideration to Berean studiers of the Word of God, which is you and me. Okay, so what about the Son of God? What work did he do? Remember before I told you that he was a type of everything. Uh, everything that was in the tabernacle was a type of him, every square millimeter. So what about the Son of God? And now I have a, a number of scriptures to read, and I don't know how far I'm going to get in this study, but some of these are really important to read. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the important ones and uh, at least get those through in the next 40, in the next 45 minutes, if that makes any sense. Okay, then Matthew, Matthew 27, 46 through 53. And so we have the Son of God. That is God with us now. That's very important. God with us now. God of Approachable Now, think about that. I mean, really. Either, either I'm, you know, out of it, or I find that to be astounding. Matthew 27, in the, uh, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, or Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's about to be crucified, or he is crucified. Some of them stood there, he said, what, what then, they heard that said, this man calls for Elijah, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him the drink, and the rest said, let be, let us uh, see whether Elijah, or Elias, should come down to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the spirit, and behold, the veil of the temple was written two, from top to the bottom. A very important, okay, so... Whatever temple existed at the time, which I'm saying is the reconstructed temple of Israel. The veil within it, the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was ripped apart from top to bottom. What does that signify? This is an actual happening. There is no denying what did it signify. It signified that the... Uh, it signified that... Well, at first it was open to Israel, but now through the Son of God, which we'll read in in Hebrews, that veil was rent. Very important. Very Very important. And so, I'm putting that forth so that you think about these things and what's happening. And think about what's gone before in these temples and tabernacles. And it goes on to say, in Matthew 27... And behold, the veil of the temple was rented to rip apart from top to bottom. And so the holy place and the holy of holies had continuousness. There was no hiding anymore. There was no veil over the holy of holies anymore. That was all opened up through the Son of God. I mean, and that, that to me is big. That's big time. Big time event. Big time. To Israel... Because we're going to read in Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews is to who? Well, it's to the Hebrews. When was it written? It was written in early Acts. And so what does this have to do with the Shekinah glory? Well, the Shekinah glory uh, dwelt behind that veil at one time, and now that veil is rent. And so do I have all of the answers? No. But we're talking about here and so we'll go on Uh, and uh, it says in Matthew 27 and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many let's turn to Hebrews 9 and so and so what are we what are we finding here What what are we finding here in connection with the glory of God, is the Shekinah of glory that existed even before the Lord created anything, no less. It existed in the uh, uh, tabernacle in the wilderness. It existed in ta- uh, it existed in the temples of Israel. And now, behold, the Son of God is God with us. So, am I going to answer any questions? Well, uh, I might answer some. As, uh, Ronnie said, a cliffhanger, well, uh, uh, he might be left on the cliff. Okay, I might not, I might not have all the answers for Ron. What I'm doing is I'm throwing all of these ideas out to you to think over. And so that's, that's one of my jobs. But, but listen to this, listen to this. Hebrews 9, and, and he made the mercy seat of pure gold. This is going back to Moses, two cubits and a half was the length thereof, one cubit and a half, the breadth thereof. And he made two cherubims of gold, uh, uh, beaten out of one piece, made them and, and the two ends of the mercy seat. And it goes on to say that uh, uh, Moses and the cherubims spread out their wings on high and covered their wings over the mercy seat with their faces one to another, even to the mercy seat word were the faces of the cherubims. And so, why, who wrote Hebrews? Well, the apostle Paul did. Why was he telling the Hebrews about this? They knew about this, right? Why was the Apostle Paul, who possibly they were totally afraid of, why is he going back and telling them about their tabernacle and their temples? Why is he doing that? Fair question. goes on to say in Hebrews 9, thinking about all that came before us so far, it was therefore necessary that the pattern of, of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. And think about it, he's talking to Hebrews. Okay? Very important. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. And so uh, this glory and all that were about these tabernacles and temples had their reality in the heavens. For Christ is not enter- entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true. And so the tabernacle in the wilderness, the temple of Solomon, uh, and the temple of Ezra, and uh, 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 Herod's temple uh, were all types of the true. First, Christ has not entered into the holy places with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he suffered offer himself often as a high priest entering the holy place every year with the blood of others. Well, why is Paul going over this to the Hebrews? Because they should know something right now. They, if they're believers in the Son of God, he's saying, look at this, and who is this one? Okay, what does this have to do with the Shekinah glory, you could ask? Well, the glory of God came in the Son, is what I said to you. Now, was was uh, the Son of God's glory, was it a beaming, unapproachable light? Not exactly. Not exactly, but the glory of God flowed through him in that he raised the dead, he healed the sick, right? And he passed this power on through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And so, we what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to look into the connection of the Shekinah glory and the glory revealed through the Son in the New Testament. Are is there any connection? Between them, and you could say, "Well, I, I'm going to leave this study with answer without any, without not a big answer." Well, maybe you'll have some, because all this is truth. All this is, is truth, and I'll say to you again, God anymore is he unapproachable to us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We go on, and it states. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now appearing in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place, or the holy of holies every year with the blood of others. For then must he often suffer since the foundation of the world, but now in the end of the world he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time, sin unto salvation. The Word and the glory of God dwelt among us. The Word tabernacled among us. And we beheld the embodiment of the Shekinah glory of the living God in the sun. And you could say, well, is that possible? Is it no. that ain't good. And so I want you to think about these things. Because they're they're all connected. They're all connected. And it's very important for us to try to understand What's happening here? The unapproachable God in the sun being approachable. And, uh, let's, uh, um, let's go up to Acts 5. Okay, and, uh, I'm gonna go down a bit and, uh, in verse 15 it says, in so much for the sick into the streets and laid them on, on beds and couches at least, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Every one. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ had the power to raise the dead. And he did. The Lord Jesus Christ produced... Miracles that couldn't be contained in all the books of the world at that time. And then he said, he said, I have to go now so that the Comforter might come. And so the Comforter, God the Holy Spirit, came and dwelt in men. And they healed the sick. And so I'll ask the question, is this part of the Shekinah glory? The answer is, I think that it is part of the Shekinah glory, and it's approachable, is what I'm saying to you. Let's turn to Acts 22. And it reads, And it came to pass that as I made it the journey, and was come near unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who thou persecuted. And they that were with him saw indeed the light. And they were afraid, but they heard the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could see... Na- and not see the glory of that light being led by the hand there them that were with me I came unto Damascus and so was this glory the Shekinah glory that in fact there's a connection there I do because this glory is now among men. Now we're going to turn to uh, some Greek words that talk about glory, and it has to do with the Son of God, and it has to do with our calling. So let's turn to uh, John 1. Alright, and I'm going to put forth five Greek words, and they're going to be talking about the glory of God. Is the Shekinah glory of God Different than the glory I'm going to speak of now. That's something that you're going to have to decide. But I personally think that they're connected. That's what that's what this lesson is all about. Glory went from unapproachable in the Old Testament to being totally approachable in the New Testament. God, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He doesn't dwell around us. He dwells within us. To me, that is extremely important. And that's part and parcel of the work of the Son of God. His work is extremely important. So the Lord Jesus Christ entered into the heavy, heavenly tabernacle once and for all. And so the Shekinah that was unapproachable in the Holy of Holies, doesn't have to be unapproachable anymore. And it is not. That's a very important point. John 1, 1 1-14, In the beginning was the Word of God. And the Word was with God. You know this, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. In Him was life, and the light And the life was the light of men and the light shined in the darkness. The Son of God is light and he came to a world completely veiled in darkness. That's what I believe. I believe that this world is totally dark without the light of Christ. And so what does that speak to the Shekinah? Well, um, I think that they're connected. In verse eight, it says, "He was not." Oh, that well, was talking about John. Uh, verse ten, it says, "And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him, him not." And what uh, "what came" means is that he dwelt among them. The Lord Jesus Christ dwelt among his own. As in God dwelling in the Shekinah glory, in these in the in the tabernacle in the wilderness and in the temple of Solomon. He dwelt among them, but now he dwells among them in the Son of God. Luke one thirty three verse 35. And the angel angel and answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. That's what the Greek word means. Uh, overshadow thee, like the cherubim did. And so, God the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and this power overshadowed her, like the cherubim overshadowing the Holy of Holies. I think there's, I think there is a connection there. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Overshadowing thee means to take up residence within her. In 2 Corinthians, oh, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the uh, Greek word Uh, That's marked A here. Sorry, Forrest, we have to go back one. Can you do that? There it is. Skenao, which is the Greek word that means to live among, to tabernacle among, to spread its tent and dwell among. And so this word is contained in John 1. And I'm saying to you that it's not by happenstance that it does. That's what I'm saying. Let's turn to now in Luke 1, 30 through 35. Epesciadzo is the word that describes the effectual presence of God overshadowing and coming to rest in a particular place. Now, these are great words that are taken out of the New Testament. And I want you to realize the impact of these words talking about the Son of God and God the Holy Spirit when you equate them with God dwelling among Israel in the tabernacle in the wilderness and in these temples. That's a major point that I want you to think about. I don't have all the answers. Neither do I claim to but I'm comparing the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, with this glory that we meet time and time again in the New Testament. And I want you to study it for yourself. Luke 1, 30-35 uh, is where, where this great word, uh uh is. And it means to describe the effectual presence of God. Overshadowing and coming to rest in a particular place, God can decide where He dwells or where He doesn't dwell. And I'm going to read uh, verse 35. Oh, did I do this? Yeah, I did this already. And so, and so, the Holy Spirit took up residence and overshadowed Mary, and for, from her came the Holy One of God. Let's turn to C, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Apiske nao is the Greek word, and it describes a spreading of a tent in order that God's power will take up residence, live and indwell in a person, in a person. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. Okay, and some Greek scholars here believe that the Shekinah glory is involved in what rested on the Apostle Paul here. Some Greek scholars believe that, and uh, especially a man named Wiest, W-U-E-S-T, He believes that the power of Christ rested in the Shekinah glory on the Apostle Paul here. He believes that. And I possibly believe that it might be true also. It goes on to say, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing, I begged the Lord to depart from me three times. I don't personally believe that this was bad eyesight. Mike does not believe that. I believe that this was a messenger of Satan that impacted the mind of, impacted the mind of the apostle Paul and harassed his mind. And it was so intense that he begged the Lord that it should depart from him. I don't think the Apostle Paul personally would beg the Lord about bad eyesight after all he went through. And so I believe this was a heavy problem in the mind of the the Apostle Paul. That's what I believe. And so he begged the Lord that this angel of Satan would depart from him and the Lord said, For this uh, Paul said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me, me, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, may overshadow me like the cherubim did overshadowing the shekinah glory of god and so in this greek word for overshadowing some scholars of the greek believe that this had to do with the shekinah glory working in the in the in the uh, in the life of the apostle paul and it rested over him and gave him strength to say In all of these distresses, in all of these persecutions, in all of these necessities, I can take pleasure in them. Can we say the same? I don't think that personally that this is, uh, what? That this is for the Apostle Paul alone. I think that a lot of things can happen to us especially ones of this calling. And so when it talks about the power of God, the resurrection power of God in Ephesians 1.18, I think that this also is connected with this power that overshadowed the Apostle Paul. And that we can have experiences as the Apostle Paul did. Okay, so we move on to D, and it talks about uh, we're talking about a Greek word, katoi kettle, and this word occurs in two Timothy one five, and it occurs in two Timothy twelve through fourteen, and this Greek word means to live in, to reside in, to dwell in, and it talks about and describes the indwelling by the Almighty God. And so, if you take nothing out of this study, take this out of it. At at one time in Israel, God did not dwell in them. He dwelt among them, and He was unapproachable. And now God, the Holy Spirit in us, makes it possible for the Almighty God to dwell within us. And and if you might say, Well, the Holy Spirit God doesn't dwell within us. I think I think that the scriptures would deny that thought that God the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so again, this is a a a very far reaching study. And I'm going to read two Timothy one, twelve through fourteen. Uh, let's read uh, 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in, in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also, is this r- word katoi kettle which means that the, pardon me, the Almighty God, through faith, dwelt in. Timothy and his grandmother... The power of the Almighty God dwelt in them. Let's uh I'm skipping forward here because I want to uh I want to try to complete the study. Let's turn to a Colossians 1:16 through nineteen, in which also Okay, we're gonna move on from there first. Colossians one sixteen through nineteen. Is that present? There it is. Okay, what about us? What about us and what about our calling? Well, Colossians 1, 16 through 19 is where this Greek word, katechao, is also found. What are these Greek words all about? I don't understand. Well, these Greek words are the New Testament form of the glory of God. They are. And so, God the Holy Spirit spoke these words forth to the apostles that wrote them down. Okay? And so I'm just speaking out what the Holy Spirit did in Greek through the Apostle Paul and through other apostles, possibly, but more so through the Apostle Paul. For by him were all things created, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things cohere. And he is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness live, reside in, and dwell in. Let's move on to E doxase, and you'll find that doxase is one of the most used words in Greek by the Holy Spirit, describing the glory of God in the New Testament. Doxas describes the word of work of God the Holy Spirit. It's the Septuagint's Greek equivalent to the Shekinah. It describes the manifestation of the radiant splendor, power, and the majesty of Almighty God. It reads in Ephesians 1, 10 through 18, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together all things in Christ which are in the heavens and which are on honor even in him in whom also, we have obtained an inheritance an inheritance, while our inher- we are the Father's inheritance. We have an inheritance, but we are the Father's own inheritance. Being predestinated according to the purpose who works all things after the counsel of the, His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory. It is doxies. Who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted that ye he heard of the word of the good message of your salvation, whom, in whom after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earn of, earnest of our inheritance and redemption until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. And I'm going to move on in verse 17, and it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of Doxas, Doxas, Doxas is found in all of the words for glory here, and some believe that it's the Greek equivalent to Shekinah in the Septuagint, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling, and with the riches of the doxase of his inheritance, is in the holies. You scratch that in the saints out. It's in the holies. Because our inheritance is in the holies. It's not in the saints. It's in the holies, and it's equated with the Shekinah glory. So let's move on from here. And again, I'm putting these things forth. And it's up to you to study them out. Now, uh, I guess we're getting a, li- a little messed up here, but I only have about 15 minutes. So, um, so, let's, uh, let's move on here. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, um, let, let's, uh, okay, so, our calling, then, uh, in Colossians 3 is stated, If since, then, ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you having died, your life is hid with Christ in God. Well, I'm going to ask you the question. If God doesn't dwell in you, and the glory of God doesn't dwell in you, how could you ever understand what this means? How could you ever understand that you were predestined before anything was created? How could you ever understand that God the Father and God the Son predestinated you unto a calling in which you're going to Dwell in the Shekinah glory at the right hand of the Father. When Christ who is our life shall be manifested, then you shall be manifested with him in Shekinah glory. Let's, uh, uh this is going to be disheveled a bit here, but I only have a few minutes. If somehow you can find Colossians 1 for us, through Thanks. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a minister, faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit, for this cause also, since the day ye heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of the Father's will and all wisdom, And spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, and to all patience with long-suffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the holies in the light. And so, if nothing else, how does the Shekinah glory of God touch us? Our inheritance is in the holies, in the true tabernacle, in the heavenlies, in the light. And so, uh, that's that's one connection that personally is being a member of the church or the assembly, which is the body of Christ, that I have found that in, that equates with the Shekinah glory. Okay, uh if you can find it for us, let's turn to uh it's getting a little uh here, but uh let's turn to uh I was gonna read a uh, a scripture talking about the Lord uh in, in two Corinthians. Two Corinthians three, seven through eighteen, if you can find that for us. Mike, you've got ten minutes, okay? So take your time. You go to the top of the hour, so you get take your time. Okay. Well uh yeah, I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to make points here. Okay, Okay, this is oh 2 Corinthians 3 7 through 18 is talking about the work of the Son of God. Sorry. Sorry about this. Here it is. Okay, here it is. Okay, so what have we what have we gone over so far anyway? What have what have we done anyway in this study? Well, certainly we've talked about the Shekinah glory of God and how it existed with Israel and that it was unapproachable. Then we talked about the Son of God being the glory of God indwelt in a human being that was sinless. That in itself is shocking beyond all measure, the gift of the Son. Then we saw that the sacrifice of himself had to do with the connection of the Shekinah glory and the Holy of Holies. And that the veil being rent, that that unapproachable glory is approachable anymore. And so, um, if nothing else, uh, I think that, uh, I think that I've made points in this study that you can certainly carry forth. Also, too, we're going to talk about the work of the son as far as the administration of death is concerned, which is the law. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7-18, it talks about uh, the work of the son, and it talks about the glory of God. And you can equate this with the scriptures that we read out of Hebrews. And it states in 2 Corinthians 3, 7-8, But if the administration of death, which was the law, written and engraved in stones, and I could say by angels, was glorious, it had a certain glory to it, so that the children of Israel could not step, steadfastly behold the face of Moses, well, what does that mean? That means that the glory of God that came through the law was unapproachable because it shined forth in the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not, and that's the glory of the law, how shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the administration of condemnation be glory, much more does the administration of righteousness exceeding glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excels. For if that which is done away was glorious in the law, much more that remains is glorious, the work of the Son. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that remains is glorious, seeing then that we have such a hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, the veil which was done away in Christ. And so that veil was rent, as we saw, in the resurrection of Christ. And this veil being rent should have been a complete and utter fabulous uh, manifestation of truth to Israel. And that's what Hebrews states. And so how does this apply to the Shekinah glory? Well, again, even though the Shekinah glory was unapproachable, to Israel it's now approachable and I, I guess I can't I can't say it any better than that and I can't I can't understand these scriptures any way different from that you know because uh, this glory is thoroughly invested in the Son of God and this glory certainly be- came through the Spirit of God which is God and so glory, even by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. And so, you know, with that, I'm going to uh, just end with uh, a definition of what the Shekinah glory is. And, um, you know, there was more on this study to study, but I I think that, uh, I think my time is up. And so, um, you know, there might be questions in your mind that might be unanswered, but then again there might be answers answers in your mind that you might never have considered. And so if uh if I put that forth, then I've done my job. And again, you know, you can't you don't believe anything that I said, but there is a lot of things to study over and there's a lot of things that I think were mentioned anyway, and I'm a nobody, but I think there's a lot of things to go over and think about as far as the study is concerned and as far as the Shekinah glory of God. At least I gave you some answers as to what the Shekinah glory of God is and if it is still here, in the power of the Holy Spirit in God that dwells in us. Because that sure, certainly uh, 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 makes my mind reel back to God dwelling with Israel, but being unapproachable, I'll just say